Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to be with you and to study and look at the Word of God. We're thankful for the grace of God that's granted us this opportunity to get to study with you. And we pray that the Lord, through His Word and Spirit, could be a help to you, that we might benefit you. So last time, we are in 2 Kings chapter number 4. We got down through about verse 17, and we looked at that great woman of Shunem, the great Shunammite woman that she had made a place for the Word of God, and that God had blessed her for uh, her making a place for the word with a son. And now we come to verse number 18. And I'm going to read several verses here. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, to a lad, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither a new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding except I bid thee. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi's servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? It is, is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. So we'll stop there and, and walk down through some of these verses. So God had blessed her now with his child, and it was of the goodness and compassion and uh, a mercy of God that he blessed her with a child, and we we looked at that last time. But now the child is grown, and in our language, we may take that to mean that this is an adult man now, but that's not the case. The child has grown from an infant and a toddler, and now he's big enough to be able to leave the house and go out in the field where his father's at. And I'm going to say a young man of probably six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in that area. And so he fell out a day that he went out to his father in the field. And exactly what happened, we don't know, but we know this. He cried to his father, my head, my head. And the father said, sent a lad, one of the servants, one of the reapers out there in the field working with him. He said, carry him home to his mother. And uh, so she, the lad carried the little boy home to his mother and she held him on her lap until noon when he died. So you can see, and, and you know the, the nature of the flesh of man. Here's a child, and we're going to see her say in just a minute, she didn't ask for him, but it was a blessing of the grace of God. God had blessed her with this. She had 
uh, uh, loved this child immensely, as anybody would. But here's a woman that was barren and had a child by the miracle of God. And now the Lord's given her this child for uh, a few years, and she's truly grown attached to him and him to her. And now the Lord has taken the child away. And you know, by nature, that would produce a resentment in the flesh. And truly, that is the reaction of one that is not a child of God, to resent the holy God, the good God, the loving God, that without him we'd have nothing but judgment. And so her reaction, though, is, is not one of a pagan or one of an unbeliever, but the child dying sends her to a place that she's going to seek after God and the man of God. So the, the dad could not help the child, but he said carry him to his mother. And his mother, as much as she loved and as much as she would give and, and would have traded places and, and would have healed him, she, she could not do anything for him either. But all she could do was hold him and comfort him until his life left him. And so when his life left, everything she could do was gone. And you see that now. She's, she can't help him. She can't fix the problem. All that she can do is hold him and comfort him the best she's able. And once he's dead, she can't even do that anymore. So the, the son has died and she takes him into the room, the little chamber that she had made for Elisha. She takes him in there and lays him on Elisha's bed and shuts the door. So she's run out of what she can do, and now she's going to seek after the Lord. So she calls to her husband and says, send me a lad and send me one of the asses and let me saddle it, and I'm going after the man of God. I'm going to go to somebody that's able to make a difference in this case. And isn't it wonderful that the church knows God? who is able to bring life to them that are dead. There's not a situation that our God is unable to accomplish the work. And truly, it's through the provision and the grace and the power of God that she's acquainted with Elisha. And not even just acquainted, but they know one another. Elisha knows her and she knows him and they, he recognizes her. From afar off, God had allowed her to, to know closely as a friend the very man of God in this day. And God has, by his grace, allowed the church not just to know, though, as a friend, and certainly he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, but God has adopted us into his family as sons of God. And so today it's even more than an acquaintance. It's the power of God. And so she saddles her ass and her husband says, why are you going? It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. It's not a feast day. You're not going to be able to get to the man of God on a day like today. And so she says, it'll be well. And you know, isn't it wonderful that in New Testament times, we, by the grace and offering of the Lord Jesus, we're able to come to God at any time. 
that in the Old Testament, the only time they could go into the holiest of all, into the uh, holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant and where the presence of God was, was at once a year at the appointed time and only one man appointed by God could come into his presence. There wasn't a means or a way for man to truly seek after God and the only way that man could seek after God was a certain man at a certain time. But today in the New Testament, through the sacrifice of Jesus, the veil of the temple has been rent from the top to the bottom. Access has been made unto God and we through prayer can approach God at any time. Prayer is a great means of grace that God has provided to his church and to those that he saved. In the New Testament, it's not you can only come at certain times and pray to me in certain fashions and forms and through certain sacrifices and ceremonies. In the New Testament, God says pray without ceasing. And Jesus spoke the parable of the unjust judge that men ought always to pray and not to faint. There is access. And just as the Shunammite woman said, it'll be well, it can be well with us if we seek after God as well. So she drove forward and said, don't slack, don't slow up, and don't let up till we meet the man of God. She had in her heart a desire to get to God, even so much so that when Elisha seen her, and this is a beautiful thing, that Elisha seen her afar off and said, that's that Shunammite woman. He knew her and he knew her well. And God, as his church, would come to him in prayer. As the picture in Revelation shows, the incense coming up before the throne of God, that is the prayer of the saints. As God's saints begin to pray and intercede unto God by the Spirit, unto heaven, that God says, there is my son down on his knees and he's coming to me in prayer so that God sees and recognizes his children that call out to him. And really this prayer, this prayer is given by God. It's not call on me and then he don't give us a means to call on him. God says call on me and in a sense he gives us a special phone and says here you call me from this phone and I'll answer at any time of the day. I'll answer you when you call. That's what prayer is. It's the means God's given. Said, call on me. Cast your burdens upon me. Cast every care upon me. Bring it to me and lay it before my feet and lay it out before my eyes. Come and communicate with me, your heavenly Father. And so she recognizes or he recognizes her afar off, and he sends Gehazi down to ask and say, is everything okay? And a lot of times this happens. Somebody comes to seek God, and a servant wants to know, well, what are you praying for? And a lot of times I understand it's there so that we can know and help to intercede for you, and I understand that. But that's not the reason that we pray. I'm not praying so that the church or that the servant of the Lord might know what my need is. But I'm praying that God might know what my need is. 
I'm praying unto God's face and unto God's glory. And I'm not seeking after grace and strength from the church or from the servant of God. I'm seeking for God to give me a special gift of grace for my need that I have at this hour. Remember the Lord Jesus, he gave grace for grace so that God not only gives grace that wakens me from the dead, that convicts me of my sin and that brings me to new life in the kingdom of God, but God day by day gives me the grace and the mercy and the peace that I need to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as warfare and fighting would go on in this life, God's given me grace and strength through the Spirit that I might be able to live. And God says, come and pray to me. If you need wisdom, ask of me. If you desire the Holy Ghost, ask of me. For I know how to give good gifts. I know how to give the Spirit of God to my children. So God God not only uh, exhorts us, as we seen last time, to study and dig into the Word of God, God exhorts His people to pray so that in, in study we learn and we grow in the knowledge of God and God changes our mind to that. In prayer, much the same thing occurs, that I lay out my petition before the Lord and God gives grace to help me through that. Whether He takes it away or not, His grace will help me to endure all things. And it's that grace that we seek for in prayer. So God says, seek me, pray to me, and we ought to pray. But it's no different. God gave the word of God as a means of grace to the church that we might grow, that our minds might be changed. God gave prayer that we might call on God, that we might lay our burdens down at His feet, that we might trust Him, that He could be our God and our leader and minister grace to us through prayer. Just like study, we think that's not necessary and that's only for a few prayers much the same way. As one would leave the Word of God in the car through the week, man don't hit his knees through the week either and pray to God. And we wonder why there's no grace. Why is there no spirit? Why is there no power in our services? because we've not taken advantage of the means of grace that God's provided us. And so God gave us these means of grace and exhorts us to, to seek Him, to seek Him in His Word and to seek Him in prayer. And so the, the great woman, she's come and she said it's well to Gehazi. She does not intend on getting to Him. She desires to get to God. And there's the heart of those that seek God. And when she came to the man of God, this is verse 27, to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. So the man of God, a man that God reveals so much to, but he says here to his servant, his, Gehazi is going to throw her away because maybe she's seeking to do the man of God hurt. But Elisha recognizes, wait a minute, her, her soul is vexed. She's grieved with great sorrow and God's not revealed this to me. Why didn't God reveal this? Because she's coming in prayer. And so I, I realize and recognize 
that God knows all things from the foundation of the world and that God knows I'm going to have a need before that I ever am aware that there is coming a need. God already knows. But he, he asks me to pray. Just because God knows does not mean I don't need to pray. God says, pray. And so we pray. And here, while God could have revealed to Elisha and him known, this woman wouldn't have sought him in prayer then. And so God has exhorted us to pray. Then she said, now this is going to be her answer. Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? So she's saying to him exactly what she said before. Both of these things are true. She didn't ask for a son. That was not her prayer. And when it was told to her that this was the case, she said it's too good to be true. And so she's saying, did I not tell you that it was too good to be true? For now I've had this son and my, my sorrow is even greater than being barren. I've had a son for a few days and now he's gone. And God's took him. So her heart is broken and her spirit is rent for her child that has died. And so then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. So Elisha here, and you know, of, of all the things that could be done, God has the prophet do this, that it might bring instruction to our hearts and to our minds. So he sends his servant ahead with his staff. Not, don't speak to anybody. You're going on this mission and this mission alone. Lay that staff upon the head of the child. And, and, you know, he doesn't say, see if he comes to life. But go lay this on him. And so Gehazi goes and does that. But the mother says, I'm not going to leave you. I didn't come for a staff. I came for you. You are the word of God. And I desire you to go back with me. And I will not be satisfied until you return with me. And so she's seeking the presence of the word of God in her life. And Elisha saddles and goes with her. But Gehazi, the servant, he comes and, and all that he can do now, he lays the staff and nothing happens. The child is still dead. So essentially all that he does is confirm that the child is dead. And this is, this is what the law was sent for. The law was not sent to bring me new life. And you know, man was, man was dead from the garden. And he makes that clear in the book of Romans chapter 8. That even though before the law was given, man was under the rule of death. 
Death reigned from Adam to Moses without the law. Man was dead before there was ever a law given. And so the law was not given to bring me life, but it was given to to do this work that Gehazi does. He comes and all that Gehazi can do is confirm that the child is dead. He says, I've laid the staff on him and nothing happened. Sure enough, this child is dead. And that's what the law does. And the law is necessary because the nature of fallen man is to say, well, I'm not dead and I'm not a sinner and I don't need salvation. I'm just as good as everybody else and I'm just as alive as anybody else is. But the law comes and you lay the law down beside us and the law says, no, son, look, you are a violator of God's righteousness. You are dead. So the law was given that I might realize that I'm dead, that I would look to Christ Jesus for salvation. So Gehazi, he's just a confirmation. He says the child is dead and he's not woke up. And he comes back and reports that to Elisha. Nothing new was learned there. Do you see that? They already knew the child was dead. The law only gave its confirmation of the death, but could do nothing to help man out of that lost state. That's the true purpose of the law. The law's not there to help me do better and get better and come nearer to God because that dead child... He can't come nearer to the man of God. He's not able. The law's there to confirm this is the state of man. You are fallen in sin. You're under the influence of the devil. You're going to die without hope except a Savior come. And so here comes Elisha, the man of God. And he's coming with a Shunammite woman. And the Bible says he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain, and he prayed unto the Lord. So God here is, God is manifesting the fact that Elisha is going in, and he's going in alone. He's not bringing the mother, he's not bringing Gehazi. It's going to be the the dead child and himself in there with the door shut. And the first thing he does is prayed unto the Lord. Now, the Lord knows all things. He already knows. So the the Lord knows the situation and Elisha is the man of God. And yet the first thing Elisha does is fall on his face and pray to the Lord. We see his master do the same. He fell on his face and he prayed to the Lord. We see the Lord Jesus do the same, fall on his face and pray to the Lord. So prayer is not only for the weak and for the needy. Prayer is for all of us that we might seek after God and his strength and his help day by day. And there's none that ever outgrow the need for prayer and seeking God. That's a great lie that the devil has sold to the church that you don't need to study and you don't need to pray And you don't need to take time for these things because that is a waste of your time. What a liar that he is. 
And so Elisha fell on his face and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And so we see here, and you know, the the way the work is done and the way God operates, he could have just spoke to the child in the power of God and the child have been raised. But God's got a message in everything that's done. I'm convinced of that. And so Elisha lays hand in hand, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, laying on top of this child. And if you can see it, his flesh waxing warm. What's happening is the that God is, uh, in a sense, transferring the heat from Elisha's body to this child. This living man's body heat is being transferred to this dead child's body. And so the life from one is going unto another. And so that's exactly what happens in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus stretched himself. And you know, you think about this. There is Elisha and he's laying down in the same position and in the same place as this dead boy is laying. He's associating himself with him. He's coming down to his place because the dead boy can't go to him. He comes down to him and he's bringing his life unto that body. And so the Lord Jesus, he didn't come down from Mount Carmel, from the place where uh, the sons of the prophets met. The Lord Jesus come down from the right hand of the throne of God. He come down from glory and he put on a flesh just as you and I have. And he come down to our level and lived as a, as a nothing in this world in the eyes of man that he might give his life and that his life might come unto us and that we through him and through his sacrifice might have life in the Holy Spirit of God so that our life is not of us. We were dead. But the life of the Lord Jesus is put into our our body and we're made alive by the transferal of his life. In him was life and the life was the light of men. God transferred life unto our account through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and we stand alive today because of him and because of his work. So the Lord Jesus came and he stretched himself, his hands stretched on that horizontal bar of the cross and nailed to that. His feet stretched downward on that vertical beam of the cross and nailed to that. And there he stood stretched out for us that his life would be taken that we might gain life. Wonderful, wonderful picture of the work of God in Jesus Christ. So the child's flesh waxed warm, but he wasn't yet alive. And so Elisha goes and walks to and fro in the house. That's interesting, isn't it? And then he comes back and stretches himself upon him again. So the Lord Jesus stretched himself on the cross. And through that, we have the forgiveness of sins. But remember again, grace for grace. He not only sacrificed himself for our sins, 
but he came back a second time in the person of the Holy Spirit to minister that grace and salvation to our soul. And that through the Spirit we sneeze seven times, remembering seven, that complete number, the whole number of the Old Testament Jew. And so that God has, by His Spirit, caused us to completely sneeze. And, you know, you think of sneeze. You do that when something is, a foreign object is there and your body's natural reaction, you don't think about it, you don't work up a sneeze, but your body's natural reaction is to sneeze, to cast that out of you. Well, God, through His Spirit, caused us to sneeze and to rid ourselves of the iniquity and the sin that we had. He brought that to pass that we could be purified and whole in His sight through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not waking up the same man that was dead there. We're waking up a new creation made anew by the power of God. And the child opened his eyes. Life was provided to this child. And what did the child do to receive it? Uh, You know, you, you think about salvation. Well, we had to respond and we had to do and we had to this and that and the other before God would save us. But I say this, God saved us so that we could respond. God regenerated us so that we could respond. This young man didn't didn't pray anything. He wasn't repenting. He wasn't trying to come to God. God came to him when he was dead and God got him up. And he responded, his eyes were opened, and life came, not because he did, but because God did. To the Lord be the glory for all things. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet, and bowed herself to the ground, and took up her son, and went out. A mighty work of compassion was accomplished here. And notice, she falls at the feet of the word of God. Yea, she had part in how glorious it is that the church has part in this work, that that we could be a vessel that God would use. But notice that it's God that gets the glory for doing the work. And the church worships God. And the sinner worships God through the Son, and through the sacrifice of the blood of Christ Jesus. God gets the glory for the work of redemption. And so notice this now. She took up her son and she went out. The work was accomplished. But in this picture of the Shunammite, look at the graces that God has provided to those that he saved, grace for grace. God did resurrect us from the dead. God did save us only by his power. But God provided me a means to learn and to grow in the knowledge of him. God provided the revelation of his thoughts and his will unto me in the word of God. And he implores me, he exhorts me, take the word and study it, grow in the knowledge of it, be established in the truth of it, and let your life be resurrected by the power of God and grow in the grace of the word of God. 
So he gave us a means of grace in the word as well as in prayer. We see them both in the Shunammite that she made a place for the word of God and she had a place that she sought after God. And God provides the word to the church to grow in knowledge and he provides prayer to the church that we might seek after his grace. So why wouldn't we, as a church, take advantage of the means that God has provided us to grow? If I don't eat, I'm not going to grow. If I don't pray, I'm not going to grow. These are the means that God made for me to be near to him in the spirit. Thank you. I hope that the word of God could be a help to you. And may God evermore give us grace to seek his word and to seek his face in the Bible and in prayer. May God help us to do so and to see the need to do so. We love you. Pray for us.